Bill Michael Show, hour number two. Bill's on vacation. Taking a long weekend up north. I was up north last weekend, so I can't be too jealous. Well, I am jealous, but it's not like I haven't been up north. It's a beautiful time of year to go up north as well. So I'm jealous of Bill. He'll be back on Monday. We can break down Packers Broncos, and he'll be back for the Green and Gold postgame show on Sunday night. So you won't have to wait all the way until Monday at 10 o'clock to hear Bill's takes on what is shaping up to be a, a very high stakes, very important Packers-Broncos game. And it's only high stakes for us, for Packers fans and Broncos fans. No one else in the country cares. Everyone else in the country is going to be focused on the Chiefs and the Chargers, which is kind of funny. We're the background team at 3 o'clock. This has not happened often in the last 20 or 30 years. Perry Goldstein is here. Pack's What She Said podcast. Pack a Day podcast. Perry, welcome back to the show. How have you been? It's so good to be back. It's felt like a really long time since I've had a Sunday with Packers football. It's been such a weird schedule. I feel like the NFL has done us dirty a little bit. It felt, it feels like the season is passing us by. I'm watching all these other teams play games and go through ups and downs. And like Michael Parsons said this and oh my God, Brock Purdy. And the Packers have just kind of been in the background for the last couple of weeks. And I think it's kind of killed some excitement. I don't think Packers fans are down because they're two and three. I think Packers fans just... We've had no football the last couple of weeks to watch. Yeah, it's true. I would be so curious what the locker room feels like. Are they just like itching to get back out there? Because I'd be so hungry. They haven't had a win in weeks. Like they haven't had a win since I was at Lambeau. You were at Lambeau. feels like forever. The ago. Saints game? Yeah. Oh my God. That was the last time they won. You're right. Yeah. Holy cats. Yeah. I guess I hadn't really thought about it. I, I, I think. For this team, for this young team, it, it actually might be bad to have this much time off. And I get the buy, they can get healthier, and it's going to get the Marin Jones back. But it's like riding a bike. If you fall off, you want to get right back up on the bike. And I feel like the Packers have fallen off the bike a couple of times, and then they've had to sit around for 10 days. Like, I think this young team just needs reps, and they need to play more often. So getting on a once-a-week schedule starting against the Broncos on Sunday, I think that's huge for this specific team because of how young they are. I agree. It's kind of like short-term memory, a little like goldfishy. Like they're just so young. They don't, they don't really know what it's like to like repeatedly lose, repeatedly win. So they just got to get into like a groove and hopefully that groove includes winning a couple games. So you do packs, what she said with Maggie and you do some Mm -hmm. packaging stuff with, with Andy's cohort of, of different rotating hosts and analysts. So you are no stranger to talking about the Packers regularly, even if there's not a lot going on. So you get it in that I think because the Packers have had so much off time the last couple of weeks, we've been sitting around. And it's like, well, I guess we'll we'll evaluate. It's like, well, what do you think of Jordan Love through five weeks? And what do you feel about his future? And because we've had time off to talk, of course, we're going to talk and we're going to evaluate. But I think it's way too early to draw any sort of conclusions. But the schedule has forced us to do that. And I think that that sucks because I feel like I'm just starting to get a sense for what this offense looks like and what Jordan Love looks like. I don't know if it sucks. I I, I want to flip that on its head because I understand where you're coming from. But in a sense of like development from Jordan, maybe this was a good thing. I, I think if you take if you take it like at face value, you know, it's been five weeks. There's a ton of tape for him. He's had his reps. And if him and Matt LaFleur and Tom Clements do their job, you know, they're going to do their self-scout. I hate that term. I do. I was going to say, I we always talk about this. You know, they're going to do their self-reflection and he, he's going to (laughs) look at some things that he, he didn't do well that I, I know he wants back and hopefully he makes some changes. I think he's a really smart kid. Um, I really like what he's shown 
from like a leadership perspective. I, I just like, there's some things of intangibles about him that I don't think you can teach mm-hmm. um, that make me think that he can grow into a really nice leader and a really nice QB one. Do I have some concerns around accuracy and decision-making? Yeah. I, I, I just like, I don't know. I don't want to make any declarative statements until the end of the season. Um, I think we make a lot of those statements on certain quarterbacks and, then they they make changes and we're like oh we were so wrong and you know i'm i'm not going to say that he's like the next josh allen or like anything like that but you know you look at trevor lawrence and all he needed was a new coach and and look at him now and you know i just i think there's a lot of development that happens when you actually get to take reps and jordan love hasn't had a lot of reps and there are just some things that he's been doing like there's just some throws he makes and i'm like holy moly like yeah. that arm or that he's got a cannon and um I just go back to a quote he had this during this bye week where he was like I need to take more of what the defense gives me instead of trying to push the ball down the field and instead of trying to be a superhero and you know that's just stuff that you're only going to learn in the moment when you're playing um you know you hear a lot of quarterbacks who have said like I don't know how to read a defense until I started playing and so I'm just kind of like, give him time. Maybe this time was good. I would agree with everything you just said. Um, I didn't see any massive red flags from Jordan Love until the Raiders game. Like, I I thought the Bears game was fun. Like, the Bears game was a dream. That was tremendous. The Falcons (laughs) game was great. They couldn't seal it. They were one drive away, but I thought there were so many good things from LaFleur and Jordan Love in that Atlanta game. And, you know, if Jair, you know, catches an interception or something, that could easily be a win. The Saints game... I thought it was a good lesson for the first three quarters against a really physical defense. And I don't know that these young pass catchers were totally ready for it. But then at the end, they each make a big play. They step up for their quarterback and they're able to steal a win. I I thought there was a lot of good to take away from that. The Lions are awesome. The more I watch them, the more I believe in them. And I know it was ugly on Thursday Night Football, but I I think that was just as much about the Lions being great as the Packers being bad. The Raiders game is the hard one for me. For Matt LaFleur and for Jordan Love, I'm like, there are a couple throws in there where I genuinely don't know what they were doing. And that was the first time all year that that's happened. So do you put the Raiders game in a different category than the rest of the season? Or Because that's the last time we've seen them play. Give me your thoughts on the Raiders game. I agree with you. Um, I just don't know where I'd put the Raiders game again until the end of the season. Sure. I, I think we can look back on that game and be like, maybe that was just a weird, fluky game. And they learned a lot from it and that never happened again. Or maybe we look back on that game and we're like, yeah, maybe this is just a bad football team. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I think it was a confluence of a lot of different things. I think it was, once again, like, I'm not sure Matt put his guys in positions to succeed um, in certain areas. And, and, and some of the things are really small, you know, like maybe on paper, it, it felt like a good idea. And then in practice, you're like scratching your head a little bit. I mean, like, and, and silly things like, not silly, but you know, like, you're having your like rookie tight end try to try to block Max Crosby, you know, just like things like that, where you're like, you don't have Mercedes Lewis anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can't ask Tucker Craft to do stuff like that. Or, you know, he had a really great quote about um, some development that uh, Luke Musgrave has had over this bye week you know, about his ability to kind of rein in some of his energy. And we love Luke Musgrave's speed and his athleticism, but there's like some nuance to the game where you got to find like the holes in the zone. And these, there are these things that I think this really young team just doesn't know how to do yet. And so I think Matt is also learning like what to ask of his receivers too. And so you just like, look at, 
the youth of receivers, the youth and an experienced little bit of Jordan Love, that Matt is still learning what to call for them. And you get all that in this kind of like boiling pot and you find the Raiders game. And it just turns into this like really ugly mess against this like pretty bad team. And it looks a lot worse than I I think this team actually is. I, I don't know if it, this Packers team is really that bad. Um, I just think that, but I, I, I do put it on Matt. I, I do, I do think that like when you're the coach, you have to understand what you have in front of you and you have to be able to call a little bit better. Um, I would have liked to see what he did against the bears, which is start out with some of those like easier, quick completions for Jordan love to get him comfortable. Um, especially when you know, you have a guy like Max Crosby, who's going to blow up a game really easily, which is what he ended up doing. I thought the Raiders game for me, Jordan love obviously wasn't great, but going into that game, I said, this is Matt LaFleur for me. You're on an 11 day rest after Thursday night football. You're going to have the crowd at your back in Vegas. It was like 60, 40, 70, 30, so many Packers fans there. Um, Josh McDaniels, I, I don't believe to be a good coach. Like you can steal some points and some possessions in the margins. And I didn't like Matt LaFleur's game plan against a really poor passing defense. I didn't like his timeout usage at the end of the half. I didn't like the decision to punt at the beginning. Like very did not like Matt LaFleur and what he did at all against the Raiders. So we've spent yep. the last two weeks with that taste in our mouth. But I'm glad that you brought up that Luke Musgrave comment because, you know, Perry, I watched that guy speak to the media yesterday and with a smile on his face and a grin, talk about a, a teaching moment and a progression moment from Luke Musgrave. And I, and I saw that and I played it on my show last night and I thought, that makes me feel better. One two-minute stupid little comment at a press conference that Matt LaFleur probably didn't think twice about. I heard that and I'm like, okay, so he does have a good grasp and, and there are concrete things they're working on in practice. That, for whatever reason, made me feel better. Me too. Again, because like this season, and it's so easy as Packers fans to get so wrapped up like in the moment. And I go back to what I felt going into the season, which is like, this is an evaluative year. I'm not sure I put too much stock into wins and loss column, although like wins against bad teams are really important this yeah. season for a young team. Like, so this Raiders game, again, to your point is like, where do we put that in how we're feeling about this team? Same with this Broncos game, right? Like this is an important game to win because they are a bad team. And so if you don't want to be seen as a bad football team, you have to go in and beat other bad football teams. But you also have to remember like, this is about progression and about evaluation. And so like, for me, as long as this team is getting better over the course of this season, I'm going to feel better at the end of the season than I do right now. And so I agree with you in those little teaching moments is when I'm like, all right, I'm feeling that optimism come back, but it has to translate on game day. Like I, I've not, all those optimistic moments from press conferences really mean nothing if it doesn't translate on the field. I think if they would have lost to the Raiders 31-30, what do you do? You, you tip your cap. Like, we would have been mad at Joe Barry, but that's nothing new. Like, and the same is going to be true, by the way, this Sunday. Like, if they lose to the Broncos 31-30, to I'll be like, all right. Offensively, they figured some things out. They can move the ball on a bad defense. And we just go back to being mad about Joe Barry and, and the defense, which, honestly, there's something comforting about that. Like, it has felt a little bizarre the last few weeks. Like, well, it wasn't not Joe Barry's fault. Like, it's very bizarre giving Joe Barry credit. Um, what do you think about the Packers defense so far this year? Because obviously it's Lafleur, Love, young playmakers, but there are, when you break it down, great defensive lineman, Kenny Clark, great pass rusher, Rashawn Gary, great corner. I, I like Quay Walker. And then what he's showing in year two. What do you think about this Packers defense at the other side of the ball that's a lot more mature and farther along? 
it's hard to evaluate the defense in a vacuum when they're not the whole team is not playing complimentary football yeah when the defense is always out there yeah like your defense is like look your defense is holding teams to the teens like you should be winning football games right like they're doing what they need to right because this offense is really struggling uh I don't know how much blame I can put on them, but at the same time, you know, there's still, when you do look at just that side of the ball, there's still some of the same problems, which is kind of getting gashed on the ground by good running backs, um, not stepping up in big moments, um, still playing some of that like soft coverage, you know, not putting your cornerbacks in, I think, positions to be aggressive and make plays on the ball. I mean, there's still some of those problems, but if you're, and you know, if the offense was like high flying and it was the defense that was causing them to lose, like it would be much easier to have these conversations, but we're so focused on this offense right now that yeah. we're kind of letting it slide. Um, I don't know. Again, it's just, for me, it's hard to evaluate a defense in a vacuum when there's just like a real lack of like complimentary football. But I will say like, I like the vocal leadership from the defense. I like what they're saying. Um, I think, you know, we just need those vets. Like they're, they're meant to be stepping up right now. Um, I like that Rasul kind of threw down the gauntlet, if you will, and was like, yo, like it's five weeks in, like no more, no more like rookiness anymore. Like we ain't rooks anymore. Like you got to step up now. Some kind of like tough love. So I, I will see there, there's another quarter, if you will, to the season now. So we'll see how they do in Q2. So going into Broncos, I'm looking at Watson and Dobbs. Like you guys are the veterans. It might not be fair, but you guys are the experienced wide receivers. I, I want to see them look like they are more experienced, and I want to see them be the reasons that the Packers can extend drives and score points. Like I want them to jump off the screen. That wasn't really true, especially if Dobbs although he didn't really get target. Patrick Taylor had more targets against the Raiders than Romeo Dobbs did. So those are the two guys I'm watching on Sunday. Before I let you go, Perry, what are you watching for on Sunday against the Broncos? You said results can be secondary, and I agree although I'd really like them to beat this bad football team, but which players or which position group or what are you looking for Sunday specifically? Um, Like I said before, I just, I'd really like Matt to start calling some things that work for this team. Some like quick slants, some underneath stuff, some really balanced football. I think having Aaron Jones back is going to be huge. And I hate putting all of that onto one player's shoulders, but like this offense hums so differently when he's out there. It's crazy crazy I mean it's just it's really crazy what one player can do for this offense um I agree with you on Christian Watson like this dude is meant to be our wide receiver one Mm -hmm. show me your wide receiver one now Mm -hmm. all right like and not just a deep threat that's my other thing is like stop using him as a deep threat he does so much more than that use him as more than that. it's MVS it's MVS it's like well he's fast we throw him 40 yard bombs it's like no that's he can do more he's not MVS he can do so much more than that. Please stop using his M- him as MBS. Um, I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for more Luke Musgrave. He is your mismatch option. He is your everything. You used him so much in preseason. Where did he go? I think just like, again, I don't want to point to like the Bears because the Bears are a bad football team. But again, the Broncos are a bad football team. So like what you did against the Bears, like replicate that formula. Yes. You spread the ball around. You play balanced between the run and the past game, like it worked, go back to your bread and butter bunch formations, all the things that Matt LaFleur is good at that he put on tape, like just do it again. It's there. Just use it again. Uh, before I let you go, Perry Goldstein packs what she said, podcast pack a day. David Stearns is the Mets buzz back. You got our guy. You poached the Brewers guy. Oh, that was not a confident face that you just showed in the video chat. We're in. 
Holy smokes. I need to just put it out there that I have barely paid attention to the Mets. Um, And as a lifelong Mets fan, I don't know if anyone out there is listening as a Mets fan, but it's just, we are an accursed fan base. And so my optimism will only come with results. So if you prove to me, you can do something. Maybe I'll believe in you. You guys have a big payroll. Us here in Brewers land, we don't. But you and I, we're not so different with this cursed feeling. We get into the playoffs and then everything hits the fan. The Mets don't make it that far. Um, but two fan bases that feel quite disappointed. So best of luck to you in the offseason. Maybe we'll have to have some David Stern's talk at some point. Perry, thank you as always. Have an awesome weekend and enjoy the Broncos game. Thank you. You too, Grant. Perry Goldstein, Pax What She Said podcast. Pack a day. She was running around with the uh, the Andy Herman corner of Packers Twitter and, and the Packers blogosphere. So consumer content, we appreciate her as always. We're going to take a break, come back, debrief on a couple of things we just talked about. And Tyler Dunn going to join us in about 15 minutes. Go long. So many great guests today which hopefully Bill is not listening and thinking, what, where the hell was this all week? Sorry, Bill, everyone wanted to do Friday. What do you, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Let's take a three-minute break. Bill Michaels Show, back after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, Team Pella, listen up. Thanks, John Kuhn. Customers love our products with limited lifetime warranties. Check out these big plays. Incredible innovations like blinds and shades between the glass. No interference on that play, coach. And stylish windows with hidden screens that make game days a breeze. Can it get any better? It can. With monthly payments as low as $19 per window, $75 per patio door, and a free quote at PellaWI.com. Let's go. Whether you're looking to replace older damaged windows and doors or just wanting to revamp the look of your home, Pella offers a wide range of styles and materials to match your home's unique design. Hurry, take advantage of monthly payments as low as $19 per window and $75 per patio door at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get your free quote today at PellaWI.com. 6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restricting supplies. Showroom for details. Offers at 1031-2023. Welcome back. Bill Michaels show. Cruising through hour number two. I think the show is going to go by like the speed of sound, like the speed of Bill Michaels on his Harley headed up north. He's at the uh, the Four Seasons Lodge this weekend, which is why that's an, an apt analogy. He's going to be back on Monday. He will be back technically, I suppose, on Sunday night for the Green and Gold postgame show immediately following Packers Broncos. You can hear that postgame show. However, you're listening now. That should do the trick. Now, if you're listening on your local Bill Michaels affiliate and they don't carry the Bill Michaels postgame show, the Green and Gold postgame show, for whatever reason, follow him on his live streams, YouTube, Facebook, all the places you normally consume the show. Uh, you can watch and listen. Of course, the flagship is The Zone here in Madison. So if you download The Zone Madison app, if Bill Michaels is speaking, it will be broadcast on that app. Even if the Brewers are on or if there's something going on, at the very least, it'll be going down on the app so you can Download that app. You can always make sure you not miss out on Bill Michaels. Green and Gold postgame show or whatever else is huddle, you know, and of course his show from 10 to 2. Tyler Dunn, go long, going to join us in about 10 minutes. He used to be on the Packers beat, the Journal Sentinel. He was at Bleacher Report. He was the lad who wrote the Mike McCarthy masseuse story back in the day. Remember that? 
chestnut of a story. It took me like two hours to read in the middle of the day. I remember I was in the cross. I was getting ready for the Wisco Sports Show. It was probably middle of the afternoon. And that story came out. I'm like, well, naturally, I have to read this. We're going to talk about it on the show tonight. And it was uh, it was beefy. It was, a long, it was a long story. It was Jeff Passan-esque. We were talking about Jeff Passan the other night. Jeff Passan tends to get a little wordy. There was so much in the story, and I remember annotating it and taking notes. It's like, well, here, Mike McCarthy's getting a massage. And then there was a, you know, this interaction with Greg Jennings on the sideline. There's just so much. And that's kind of what Tyler does, right? It's long-form stories. We can really get deep into subjects. He's an awesome guest, and we love having him every Friday. So he's going to join us here in about 10 minutes. The comment that Perry and I were talking about from Matt LaFleur when he was asked about Luke Musgrave, and he really went in depth on what it's been like to teach him this and that and to see him develop and to see him grow. And I, I still think some Packers fans, even fans that follow this team more closely than most, we still underappreciate how young this team is. They're the youngest group of skill position players since the 99 expansion Browns. They're a bunch of kids. And that's not an excuse. That's an explanation. And they have plenty of experience on the defense and Aaron Jones's experience on offense, but that's about it. I suppose Elton Jenkins and and other members of their own line, but that's not, that hasn't been a perfect unit this year either. Here is Matt LaFleur yesterday. This is the conversation in the comment that Perry and I were talking about. Matt LaFleur yesterday talking about Luke Musgrave and the development that he sees from Luke on a daily basis. I think he's doing a great job. I think every day we go out on that field, there's something that kind of clicks for him. Uh, we had a, we had a good one today where he's just running a, a simple over route and, um, just had a ran it in routes versus air and kind of talked about it after just what what I observed and by the way I believe routes versus air means they just weren't running it against a defense they were just running it like practicing basketball without a basketball you know real old school stuff I think that's what he means in case anyone's confused uh, the, these guys got to understand especially in the passing game I think there's you, you love it when guys go 100 miles an hour. And that that's how Luke attacks everything. Everything is just full speed, but there's also a feel to it in terms of when can you tempo down so you don't run through zones so fast that you end up getting covered up. So I think that is the thing that he's starting to get a better feel for just you know through repetition, whether it's practice or in the game. But uh, going back to that route, so he, of course, he did it in, in routes versus air, and he went 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, just, you don't have to go 100, maybe 90 miles an hour. And he did it in, in the team rep, and he looked, and it looked better, and it was well executed. And so, you know, it's just, but that's a feel thing. Because, and you'd rather have guys with that mindset, with that mentality, um, and try to kind of rein them back a little bit. So I loved listening to that yesterday. And I would recommend, if you're a big Packer fan and you care about things to this level, go watch the press conference and watch him give that answer. It's right in the middle. The, the presser starts to finish. It's on YouTube, the Packers YouTube page. And I'm sure you can see it on Twitter and Facebook or wherever else you consume your Packers content from the official you know, Packer accounts on all those platforms. It's about five minutes in. It's right in the middle. It's easy to find. And Matt LaFleur's got a little smile on his face. I, I think... He enjoys and relishes the opportunity and the moments to coach these guys and to teach these guys. The last couple of years, Matt LaFleur was coaching veterans. He was a vibe setter 
He, he was a guy who was there to not rock the boat. V- very Phil Jackson. Oh, Grant's comparing Matt LaFleur to Phil Jackson. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I, Phil Jackson often coached teams that had a lot of big egos, had a lot of superstars that had been there, done that, and it was his job to come in and, you know, think of creative ways to keep them engaged, you know, different schools of thought, different philosophies to kind of keep all of these egos and, and all these heavily paid guys, well-paid athletes, moving in the same direction together. And, you know, whether you think Matt LaFleur did a good job of it the last couple of years, or if he was anywhere near Phil Jackson level, you know, Phil Jackson's run a bunch of rings, that was Matt LaFleur's job the last couple of years. Now Rodgers is gone, Adams is gone. There's not really an ego anywhere on this offense. I don't know that there's a ton of egos on this Packers defense. And even if there are, you know, that's Joe Barry's side of the ball anyways. Matt LaFleur is an offensive-minded head coach, offensive coordinator, basically play caller. I know Adam Stenovich has the title, but Matt LaFleur is kind of the lead offensive guy for this team. Now he's teaching. Now he's developing. Now he's working more hands-on with guys with actual X's and O's and execution and the way that routes are run and the way that the ball comes out of the pocket and the way this is blocked and the way this is executed. Completely different job. So I'm excited to compare and contrast the job that Matt LaFleur did the last couple of years versus the job he has to do now. And I think he's equipped to do both jobs, but it'll be interesting to see how the season progresses Maybe Matt LaFleur ends up being a a much better teacher than a vibes guy, than a leader. Maybe he's better at this than the job that he was doing the last couple of years with Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? It'll be interesting to watch it play out. Let's talk to Tyler Dunn. Go Long joins the program every Friday. Longtime contributor to the Bill Michaels Show. We appreciate Tyler. He's going to join us in just a couple minutes. Bill Michaels Show back after this. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The all-new Potawatomi Casino Hotel has something you gotta see. Play more slots and games, and you could say, show me the money, to reveal up to 10 grand each Thursday. 800,000 in prizes is up for grabs. 40 winners each week. This October and November at Potawatomi, Milwaukee, when you're ready to win, just say, show me the money. More info at PaysBig.com. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. You got to hit it, bang it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Hit it, bang it, rock it, Bill Michaels Show, appreciate you listening. Ryan Glassbeagle, New York Post, one hour from now. Our guy Mike Clements, a little bit less than two hours away. He's going to give us the latest right before we say goodbye for the weekend. I'm talking injury designations, right? comments from players and coaches. He's going to give us the full picture of what went down in Green Bay this week before they travel out to Denver. He'll be here in the final hour of the program. Tyler Dunn has been an outstanding contributor to the show. He's always willing to come on with Bill. He's been joining us every Friday throughout the season. Tyler, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Hey, thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, of course. Tyler Dunn, go long, long form football storytelling. I like if you if you have a moment to sit down with a cup of coffee and really dig deep into the story of this offensive coordinator or this team or, or that coach, this player, it's the best way, I think. And Tyler, I always bring this up as an anecdote on air, but my first real experience with your work while doing this job was that Mike McCarthy story in, you know, whatever it was, 2018. I dedicated all afternoon to it. I sat down, I was taking notes because we had so many different bullet points throughout the story. I'm like, I got to talk about all this in turn on my show tonight. So you basically gave me a homework assignment that day, and I've always appreciated that. 
to do for some more of those homework assignments. You, know, you got me thinking, man, whether it's the Packers, the Bills, somebody here. Time to uh, put put a team under the old microscope. We're getting to that point. I like that. So what would you write about Jordan Love if you had to sit down and write a story right now? You've written some awesome pieces and talked to people who have worked with Jordan Love the last couple of years. The Packers are two and three. I think there's been a lot of good from Jordan Love. The Lions game was bad, but man, I... To me, that's more about the Lions being awesome. I would have liked the Packers to show it a little bit better on Thursday night, but the Lions are legit. And then against the Raiders, that's the one stinker that, that really left a sour taste in our mouth before the bye. What are you thinking of this Packers team and Jordan Love five games in? Disjointed, right? I think it's really hard uh, to get an accurate read on Jordan Love himself. This doesn't make any excuses. I mean, he's been without the team's best player, Aaron Jones, Mm -hmm. Uh, the David Bakhtiari situation. I mean, to say it through a wrench into the equation doesn't do wrenches justice. I mean, that was brutal. Um, And defensively, it's it's been what we've seen last year, really inconsistent. That Lions game, especially once they really got rolling downhill, that game just completely got away from Green Bay. And, And Jordan Love hasn't been good. I mean, he has missed throws but I think a lot of what you see was to be expected I mean he hasn't played he, he you can only simulate so much when you're out there in California with Steve Calhoun right like and 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 they're trying to recreate everything he's going to be seen on an NFL Sunday that only takes you so far so I, I think that you know if you're looking for solutions if you're looking to get the best out of Jordan Love it starts with Matt LaFleur I mean I spent a lot of time around Bobby Slowick down in Houston uh, for some quarterback stuff on the rookies that go along. And he obviously comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree. I mean, the 49ers are turning Mr. Irrelevant into an MVP candidate. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, all Mike McDaniel from that tree is doing is, you know, dropping 70 points on the Broncos and setting a new record pretty much every week. I think that the greatest show on turf Rams, that's the only team in NFL history that has more yards than the Dolphins through six weeks. Well, Matt LaFleur comes from that tree, too. But this offense doesn't look anything like those offenses. This is a huge week, I think, for the head coach. I think so, too. I I loved what he did with Jordan Love. And I get it. It was against the Bears in week one. But he game planned for Jordan Love on that day in a way that that would tell me, oh, Jordan Love's been doing this forever. He he had all of the the routes available to him. He was throwing to everyone all over the field. It, It didn't look like they were keeping the training wheels on him. And much of the same in Atlanta. And then even in, in in New Orleans, their first home game, like maybe they should have had some training wheels, but made some big throws, got some plays from his young players to go and win that game. And then somewhere along the way, and, and maybe the Lions game spooked Matt LaFleur a little bit, but against the Raiders last Monday night, it's like, man, it's all behind the line of scrimmage. And ultimately what happens, Tyler, when, when you keep Jordan Love kind of contained and under your thumb for three quarters. He's throwing the ball in a lot of third down and long situations. And then in the second half, he's playing comeback football and the Raiders pass rushers are coming after him. I just feel like if Matt LaFleur allows Jordan Love to do more in neutral passing situations, it's going to be a lot more healthy experience for everyone. And he's going to learn more that way rather than trying to keep him protected until all of a sudden it's third and 10 or you're down 10 in the fourth quarter and it's go time. That's a tough situation to put a young guy in. Yeah, and I think what, what you're encouraged with, too, is, is what you alluded to as well, Grant. Like, you know, they, I think they knew they could work around what the substance of his game is, and that's, that's being mentally tough. So this is a dude that's been through so much in his, in his personal life, you know, back to being a teenager on the football field. I mean, he's down all of those players that last year at Utah State. 
to graduation to injuries, had to really improvise. Like, I, I feel like that's a lot of the NFL. It's, it's, it's improvising. It's, things are breaking down. You've got to make a play. And that seems to be when he's kind of at his best, when he is facing a little adversity, when, he, when he's down in the fourth quarter. I mean, that first Lambo game, I, you know, there were some faint boos there, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. the quarterback's first game. The offense is struggling. That really could have been a moment that crushes a young quarterback. The fact that he was able to win that game and the fact that he was able to, you know, come back and, uh, you know, give, not only give them a chance, but make all the throws he had to make, I, I think that gives you hope. And he can improve accuracy. Uh, he can improve within the offense. But it takes, it takes the head coach and the play caller, the play designer, scheming things up. It doesn't really seem like they're – scheming things up and, and getting a matchup. Like, you know, you, you talk to Bobby Sloak with, with Houston, and look, C.J. Stroud right now, obviously he looks like a better quarterback than Jordan Love. But I, I think everything is so in rhythm. The quarterback hits his back foot, and it's right when the receiver's getting out of his break. And if that route is closed, boom, he knows to get to the second throw. And if that's open, he hits it. It's like Robert Woods, you know, he's been in the league forever. I covered him here in Buffalo when he was with Greg Roman as an offensive coordinator, such an elementary passing game. Same thing with the Tennessee Titans. And then in between, he had Sean McVay. And he said, this McVay offense and the Slowick offense, he's like, we, got, we have an answer for everything. It, 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 you know, we're going to test the defensive players' individual rules. Like, you're the linebacker, and you've got to drop into your hook zone, whatever it is, eight, nine yards. We're going to see if we're going to take that to 11 or 12. Like, they're getting inside of the head of the individual 11 players on the other side of the ball and figuring out where your weak link is and then attacking it. Maybe Malifor is trying to do that, but it just doesn't, it doesn't look pretty. Like, there aren't guys just getting wide open with that kind of consistency. And maybe injuries are to blame and maybe getting healthier helps. But, my God, when you play the Denver Broncos, a team that did give up that 70-burger to Miami, this, this, this is when you got to show it. Well, I mean, yeah. There's a ton of pressure on this head coach this game. Well, let's talk about the Broncos because I Packers fans are looking at this Broncos team like finally, you know, an opportunity for us to really go and get right. But Broncos fans are probably, if they're paying attention, if they still care by this point of the season, which may or may not be true, Broncos fans that are paying attention probably think the same thing of Green Bay. So, so what do you hear when you talk to people around the league and you're writing these stories? The Denver Broncos are are horrible and they're dysfunctional and they've invested a ton and they're not seeing results. But what an interesting story. Like, what do you hear and, and what do you think about with this Denver Broncos team and what's going on now and what they do next? Doesn't it seem like we're getting to the point where I think the trade deadline is, what, 11 days away? Something like like that. Sean Payton is just going to start throwing people overboard. Like, it's going to be, oh, you're not buying into what I'm trying to do here. All right, we'll take you for a conditional seventh-round pick. I think they're getting to that point with their entire roster. This isn't a team that is going to be winning anytime soon. I, I can't imagine what's going through Sean Payton's head. You know, one day he's he's in a cozy chair sitting next to Colin Cowherd at Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next he's taking this Denver Bronco job instead of staying in that cozy chair and maybe waiting for Caleb Williams to enter the NFL. And then maybe it's to a team that is firing their head coach. And then maybe you take that job. Uh, so I think his timing was a little bit off there. Uh, but this is where they're at. And it's a mess. I mean, we all see how much of a mess it is. The, the offense is struggling. I mean, crossing midfield is such an odyssey for that offense. I, I think they're, gonna, they're getting close to, not that Russell Wilson is 
all of the problems in one player, but I mean, he is the quarterback. He is insanely compensated. So I, I think that you might see him benched at some point, right? I don't know if it's anytime soon, but it could be jerk Stidham time at some point. I think they just start playing other guys because they're not going to compete for a playoff spot anytime soon. They're probably not there yet, but I don't think it's going to take getting mathematically eliminated for the Denver Broncos. I think at this point, Sean Payton knows it's about 2024, 2025, just figuring out who in the hell we even want to keep on this roster long-term. Well, that's what it would have taken for the Packers last year to be mathematically eliminated. So maybe the Broncos go the same route and, and they don't make any changes or they don't make any tweaks or start playing for the future until then. It's funny. You mentioned Colin Cowherd. I heard Schlereth on Cowherd's show yesterday talking about the Broncos. He does sports talk out in Denver. He said, maybe they do need to start throwing, like you said, players overboard and, and just getting a, a complete fresh start with new players. Cause these players have been here forever. Garrett Bowles a couple weeks ago says, what's this loss like after the 70, the 70 point loss. And he's like, all I've done in my time here is lose. So Sean Payton is battling that. It's players who've never known anything else in Denver. Meanwhile, you look at a coach like Dan Campbell in Detroit. He got there, bunch of players and fans that know nothing but losing and has managed to start a new culture. So what do you think the difference is between what Dan Campbell has done, the Lions, who are by far and away the best team in the North and, and the team that the Packers are going to have to overcome at some point? What's the difference between a Detroit and Denver at this moment? Ooh, I, I really like that because... You know, the, the Lions, it really was a three-year project. I, I think that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell both knew that when they took over, they weren't going to be winning anytime soon. And obviously the trade for Jared Goff kind of kick-started it, but, but not for reasons that they really expected. Like, I think we all thought that was just collateral damage. Like, oh, God, you got to take Jared Goff's yep. contract down to get all those draft picks. Well, it was a win-win-win-win, really. For, for the Rams, too, they got a Super Bowl. Um, so that, that really kind of, I guess, set the course to get all those draft picks while you're also getting a competent quarterback who, by the way, has taken a team to the Super Bowl. And then it's what we're talking about. I mean, they really just identified who do we want to keep around here. And if you don't fit, that's fine. You, won't, you aren't going to be retained. But it's not in a, uh, like a Matt Patricia way. I mean, the coach before Dan Campbell – they loathe this guy. They despise Matt Patricia. I sat down with Tracy Walker in Detroit this offseason and talked about it. I mean, it didn't take much poking and prodding. I mean, for a half hour, he almost almost missed his next meeting that he was sharing so many Patricia stories. He didn't stand him that much. <laughs> you know, he just said, like, Patricia's thing was 89-1, and 89-1, and one, all training camp, meaning if you're one of the 90 players on this roster who isn't buying in, we're kicking you to the curb. And it just, like, poisoned the entire roster and and guys started to despise him and that it just he was he was two-faced he could be really nice in the building then on the field he's cussing guys out talking to, to grown men in a way you just don't if you're a head coach so that's not what dan campbell did right like he 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 empowers players inspires players that's not just a bunch of rhetoric that you hear at the podium the guys want to run through a wall for him and he still is kind of weeding out the players who don't fit he, he found players who they're going to face that inevitable adversity in the NFL. You're going to be one and four, right? It's going to be a tough play to make in the fourth quarter. Some players are, are built for that moment, and some aren't. As much as we love to try to make sense of football on a spreadsheet, it's, it's such a human game. Mm -hmm. I think that Dan Campbell gets that. And player to player, they found the player that, that is going to blast through adversity. I mean, Khalif Raymond's story is unbelievable. And this is a guy sending out seven, 800 emails in high school begging for a shot to play college football. 
you know, only two like respond and here he is making plays in the NFL. I mean, which, which by the way, you know, he, he almost <laughs> was kind of whisked out of the league himself after a few months, punt, punts on him to a bad place. So we, we could go on for hours, but their roster is really built with guys like that. And it's not going to happen in one year for the Broncos. It, it takes three years to get to this point. Yeah. What the, what the lines have done. I, I had questions coming into this year. It's like, well, I really like their roster and I, I think I like their coaches, but it's still Detroit. And, and the burden of proof is on them after 30, 40 mm-hmm. years of losing. You need to show me that you've graduated past that. And really since week one in Arrowhead, they've done nothing but impress. They beat the tar out of bad teams. They came into Lambo on a short week, a place that in my lifetime, the Lions never win at Lambo. Like it didn't happen in my lifetime. They, they went from the early nineties to whatever it was, 2015, 2016 before it happened. So the Lions continue to impress. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about him. Tyler, I appreciate you. Got to be a beautiful time of year up in upstate New York. You got to be living life right now. <laughs> it's so funny to say that, Grant, because I uh, I kind of like tiptoed past the kids' bedrooms. We have the simultaneous nap right now. It's nice. a beautiful thing. But wow. I'm speaking to you outside, and it's just dreary, rainy. Oh, really? It's just been raining every weekend. Oh, yeah. Like every every weekend you want to do something with the fam. You just can't. So, oh, no. Yeah. I, I don't know why. You know, I, I spent my, the prime years of my life, right, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which not a knock. I loved it, man. I loved living. The people were great. But from a weather perspective, you go Wisconsin to Buffalo. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, but, no, no hey, kidding. It's home. <laughs> well, I guess with this weather on the weekends, I guess you can't go to the the pumpkin patch or the vineyard or the apple orchard. You got to sit at home and watch football. It's not your choice. The weather is forcing you to do that. So I guess right, you have no. I try to tell my wife. There's this. Hey, it's not it's out of my hands. It's oh all my we can god. Do. Appreciate you, Tyler. I love reading your stuff, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, always appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. Tyler Dunn, go long, outstanding guest. Anytime I ask him to come on, he's like, I, do you, can I do this every week? Like, he would come on every day, I think. I appreciate that about Tyler. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll wrap up hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, Team Pella, listen up. Thanks, John Kuhn. Customers love our products with limited lifetime warranties. Check out these big plays. Incredible innovations like blinds and shades between the glass. No interference on that play, Coach. And stylish windows with hidden screens that make game days a breeze. Can it get any better? It can. With monthly payments as low as $19 per window, $75 per patio door, and a free quote at PellaWI.com. Let's go. Whether you're looking to replace older damaged windows and doors or just wanting to revamp the look of your home, Pella offers a wide range of styles and materials to match your home's unique design. Hurry, take advantage of monthly payments as low as $19 per window and $75 per patio door at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get your free quote today at PellaWI.com. 6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers at 1031 Bill Michaels show. Appreciate Ty Dunn. Go long. Read his work. You don't have to pay to subscribe to read all of his stuff and hear all of his podcasts. He's got a good selection of of free items on his Substack. He's on Twitter at Ty Dunn. Go read his stuff. Go long. We're talking about Detroit at the end. I thought the Dan Campbell hire was outside the box, but at the time, and I might have even talked about this with Tyler on my show, 
years ago. I, I thought at the time the Dan Campbell hire, albeit weird, made sense for Detroit because Detroit has been so bad for so long that they had to do something different. They almost had to admit in this hire. They had to put their hand up and say, we've been ass. Like, we've been so ass that we need to make a hire to show everyone, like, yeah, we're, we're like, we've been ass and we know it. This is a hire that shows that we know. You know that we know that you know that we know. We know that you know that we know. We're going to bring in Dan Campbell, who I think has a disposition that fits Detroit. He takes pride in Detroit and, and bringing a winner to Detroit in a way that Matt Patricia wouldn't or in a way that other coaches wouldn't. I think Dan Campbell has assembled a team of guys that care and that fit Detroit. I don't think Detroit was the type of team a couple of years ago that could just hire XYZ hotshot offensive coordinator or, or, or you know, a hotshot college coach, bring him in and just expect like, all right, here we go. We're going to be good now. No, there was some heavy lifting that needed to be done. And Dan Campbell was the guy, well, literally and, and you know, for the sake of the analogy, he, he's the guy to do that lifting. He was the guy to come in and say, we're going to establish something here. We're going to build something here. It's going to take time, and we're going to need to find the right type of players that are up to this task, players that are going to try to climb this mountain with me. And the Dan Campbell hire is, has been a success. And this year, I think they've checked every single box I've wanted to see them check. They went into Arrowhead on opening night and beat a Chiefs team Without Kelsey, without Derek Jones, or without Chris Jones, sure. But Goff had to make some off-schedule, off-script throws in that game. He had to go win them that game at the end, and he did. They lost to the Seahawks week two in overtime, but I think the Seahawks are an excellent team. They beat the Falcons handedly. They blasted the Packers. They blasted the Panthers. They went and and, and won a more defensive game in, in Tampa Bay. They're just winning in all these different ways, and they're beating teams in these different situations where I think every week, yep, cross that box off. You can check that box. You can check that box. Detroit is legit. I was hoping before the season. Yep, I think they got it. They've done it. They've proven all they need to prove to me. All right, hour three, Bill Michael Show next. <laughs> 